It's uh, good to be back visiting for the day. Uh, glad to see you all. And I uh, hope you're doing good. Oh, we're doing good. And just want to praise the Lord with you. I am holding a canoe paddle. I think you already knew that. But this is a little bit different because this is the steersman's paddle. Uh, this is the guy who is giving vision to the rest of the crew. We're talking about vision this month, and so we're going to talk about this paddle for a minute. The steersman on a, on a canoe has to not only know where you're trying to go, but he has to know the current, he has to know the wind, he has to understand the ocean. Uh, he's responsible for the safety of the people. Uh, he's responsible for getting them from where they are to where they want to be. And um, so we thought that this, we used to pass batons, but we thought this really kind of more represents what goes on in the life of a, of a lead pastor or a senior pastor. And today we're going to be passing the paddle on to Carl. But before we do that, I want to bring my wife up here and just to be with me. Um, you know, um, this thing called Hope Chapel goes back a long, long time ago. Um, we were in Bible school together. That's where we met uh, young people trying to find our way in the world and figure out what God wants to do with our life. And, uh, you know, I was pretty much of the opinion that I would never pastor more than 30 people because as a youth pastor, I never pastored more than 30 kids. And I could run big events, but then it would always shrink back to 30 kids. And, and uh, this opportunity came up for there's this little empty church building in Manhattan Beach, California, and uh, it was offered to us. And uh, we had, Ruby had just given birth to Carl a couple months before and had quit her job, which was 60% of our income. And now I was going to quit my job, which was the other 40% of our income, and we were going to go and become pastors of an empty building. And uh, she didn't know anything about that. I came home from this meeting and, uh, and, and said, uh, you know, what do you think about this? And it, it took her, uh, she was ironing. Carl was sitting in the high chair right next to her, and she was ironing. It took her about as long to put, put the iron down and go, let's do it. And... Uh, then 12 years later, after we did that one, uh, it came time, you know, the, to move here. And the, the, the plan here was we're going to come and start a church. Nobody would rent us any space. Um, we knew that coming in. We'd been flying over. And so the backup plan was that I was going to become an auto body repairman and pastor the church. And we were giving up this huge church in L.A., 19th largest church in the county, uh, to come here. Uh, it was one thing for me to be all about vision and excitement and think I'd heard from the Lord. It's another thing for your wife to, uh, to, to say, I'm, I'm going to go with the flow here and, and trust God and trust you. And so it uh, couldn't happen without her. couldn't happen to Carl without Kanani. Uh, you know, their, their family, Carl and Kanani, had moved to Huntington Beach. Uh, Carl graduated from Bible college, and, and where everybody else wanted a job with a salary, he went out and got a secular job so he could work in a church of 10 people and, and grew a youth group of two boys to 120 kids in about five years while the church grew to 200. And um, pretty proud of that, I am. And um, Kanani's family, uh, for various circumstances, all ended up moving to Huntington Beach. So her whole family was there. Her parents had just bought a house uh, the day that they announced that they were leaving. So. Uh, a monster sacrifice there. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is, is um, a man can't do it alone. He, he needs his wife with him. Um, and that, that uh, the Bible is really right when it says the two become one flesh. And yet I, I want to say one more thing before I hand this paddle off to Carl. I'm reading a book right now. It just came out, in fact, uh, this week. I, got it, I pre-ordered it from Amazon. It's called The President's Club. And it, the, the basic gist of it is that uh, since 1950, when Harry Truman pulled Herbert Hoover out of retirement to come help him be president, um, and they reorganized the presidency, basically, they gave us the modern presidency, that every president that has sat except for one has, uh, and, and that one was John Kennedy, who rebuffed the guys who went before him, until one month later when he failed badly at, the, at this invasion of Cuba, and then he started screaming for help. That these guys have always pulled together the former presidents, and, and that's not the point of this. Um, Carl and I are already close, so that's no big deal. Uh, the point of this is 
that there's nobody else in the world but a former president who understands the loneliness and isolation of being the president of the United States. And uh, you, you, you know, the book is saying over and over that these guys are frustrated because there's so many people around them that admire them that, that that in itself makes them isolated and lonely because they're faced with hard decisions that they have to make and those decisions go with this paddle. And I've been fortunate to have a really good staff around me for all these years and Carl has a really great staff around him. But um, Carl can tell you that there's a vast difference from sitting in a, in a, in a staff meeting as a staff pastor to what he's been doing in the last four months since he really, because uh, he's really been running the show here for a while. And, and, uh, and, and there's this colossal weight of responsibility on his shoulders. And, and so as I hand him this, I, I want, and, and we're going to ask Kanani to come up and, and she's going to pray for us all. But, but I want you to really especially be praying for your pastor, for my pastor, uh, as he assumes the leadership of this church. Uh, we're growing. He hasn't said it all weekend, and so I'm going to say it. Um, he told you a couple weeks ago, we had the largest Easter that we've ever had in this church. But what he hasn't said is last Sunday, we had the largest non-Easter Sunday we've ever had in the history of this church. And I think that's really wonderful. And that it testifies to the leadership of this man. And so I want you guys to come on up. We did a deed here. Um, your mom and I are proud of you. This is hard. We've done this all weekend. It's been easy, but this is the, I'm, I'm heading out of here. As soon as, service is, as soon as he gets up to preach, I don't want to interrupt him. I got to go preach or go to Kahala. He's preaching on DVD down there. But um, uh, this is the last time I'm doing it, so this is the official one. And uh, all I want to say is that we are terribly proud of you. Was it supposed to be like this? And that we know that it's God. We, we absolutely know that it's God. We never, ever, ever, I mean, you know, as a child, we would discourage you from being a pastor because we didn't want you to want to be like Dad. And uh, we, uh, we know it's God. God. God did this, and we're so proud of you. And we trust you, and we accept you as our pastor. We love you. Thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you, church, for uh, embracing this change and moving with it. Change is never easy, um, but we're going places. We have the backing, the full support of the senior leadership, the staff, and uh, we're going places. But I knew we were going to do this thing, and this, is, this has been the hardest one. I'm like trying not to lose it here myself. But um, we don't want to make any steps in any direction on human wisdom and human power alone. And so that's why I want to ask right now that Kanani would just ask the Holy Spirit to be in this and be of this and bless it and that you guys would join with us in a prayer just to say, God, we're not going anywhere if we're not going with you. And um, I'm not going anywhere because I don't know what the future brings. I'm excited to go, but it's only in his power. So we're going to pray if that's okay. I think it's most appropriate because it's who we are. It's what we stand for. So I just asked Kanani if she would lead us in prayer. You could do that so I don't lose it in the middle of it. So if you guys would just join with us. You guys are blessed this morning. <clears throat> as a church, we're going to pray. I'm praying as a church with you guys all backing us. So you can extend your hands. Um, we're just so blessed. And Father, we come humbly before you right now. And Lord, we exalt your name and we praise you and we thank you so much for the blessing of 
Ralph and for the blessing of Ruby and Lord for the way that they've transformed not only our own personal lives and our our families Lord we have testimonies and we have stories that can absolutely testify to the truth of the impact that they've had through their faithfulness to you in our own lives and our own homes but Lord as well as the impact they've had in this community this state this country Lord and around the world mm. Lord there is absolute glory to your name because of that decision that they made so many years ago just to to commit to what you're doing and bringing them over here when when everything looked so uncertain and they didn't have a building to meet in and they didn't have anything and yet lord you paved the way with such glory and with such magnificence lord that you opened the doors to other churches to go into schools and lord we bless you for all that they've done, and we pray all of heaven's blessings on them now as they look into the future, Lord, and it's a future that you have written out with glorious detail, Father, and that we pray right now on them, Lord, more of your wisdom, more of your favor, and more of your anointing as, Father, we believe that the best is yet ahead for them, that you intend to grow your church, the, the global church of, of Christ through this man and the wisdom that you've given him to allow people to step up to what you've called them to pastor where they are, Lord. And we pray for, for just that fearless, reckless, anointed spirit that that apostleship would grow more yes. and more in him, Father. And I pray for, for Ruby, Lord, that you would bless her with the wisdom and the discernment and the knowledge and the power it takes to keep up with such a godly man. You've anointed her to run with him. And we pray, Father, that you would protect them and guard them. Father, and I pray as a church, as we receive our, our new pastor, Lord, this incredible anointed man of God, Lord, whose heart is all for you, all for your church, all for your people. We, we believe, Lord, that if you are, are moving Pastor Ralph into a new realm, that you are bringing in a new shepherd who is going to be one who looks after us, who encourages us to run, and Lord, who can take this church to the places that you want to take it. Thank you for anointing him. We pray that you would bless him with your wisdom, with your discernment. Lord, the discernment and the wisdom and the, the knowledge that comes straight from heaven. So Holy Spirit, we pray for an unleashing of your multifaceted gifts on him. We pray against every curse that may be spoken against him and against this church and against what you intend to do in the world through us, that we would just be your vessel to bless the world. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us with our pastors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Oh, that's right. Don't turn around. We don't need to see that view. Oh, well, one of the things I, I want to encourage and bring to this congregation is more fun. Amen. In the name of God, in the name of the Lord, that we have a good time. That was Pastor Scott, by the way, and you saw more of him than you ever wanted to see. Uh, almost as much as his wife sees. Bless her for that. But... Um, <laughs> God's doing new stuff around here, and it's good. Um, and, you know, I, with all the fun and the humor, and I, I love that. And I love that that's a part of our church, and that's going to continue to be a part of our church. But I want you guys to know that I take this position very seriously. I don't joke around when it comes to the call of God on my life and what is being entrusted to me. You know, I, I, I myself am not a paddler. Anybody paddle in here? You guys paddle rigger canoes, you know? Um, it's not me. I'm a surfer. I use my arms. I don't use paddles. So I, I didn't know too much about this, but I was researching this when... Um, we said we were going to do this thing. I thought, man, that's, that's really cool. That's a really neat example of a pastor of a church that you're the steersman, you're the navigator and all of that. And then I, I, I went and I did some research. I asked people around the office, who paddles in here? Tell me a little bit about it. I want to know because there's a lot of direct like uh, parallels and correlation to like the, the steersman of a canoe and the pastor of a church. And so I was asking them, but then I wanted to get a little bit more. So what did I do? Google it, right? That's what we all do when we want to find something nowadays. It used to be back in the days we had the encyclopedia sets. Anybody ever have those things? You know, when you're little, it's like, I invested in this for you, son. I'm like, thanks a lot, you know? What? I got to read this? And now it's so easy, kids, today. Just Google, right? 
canoe, out, Hawaiian outrigger canoes, right, steersmen. So I checked it out, and I found Wikipedia, and I wanted to know a little bit more about this role I was stepping into and the, just the parallels that it makes between a steersman of a canoe and the pastor of a church. And this is what it said. This is pretty heavy. If you read this and you listen to this through spiritual eyes and you're thinking, when it says steerer, it's, you're thinking pastor. When it says boat, you're thinking church. When it says paddlers, you're thinking members of the church. But listen to what it says. A good steerer is able to maintain the straight line of the canoe throughout the course of a race and also keep the boat and the crew safe in rough sea conditions. He may also take advantage of water conditions to gain extra speed by surfing. Amen. I can relate to that one. Um, but it says, a steerer also skippers a canoe and instructs all the other paddlers as necessary. As an outrigger canoe is a long, narrow canoe with the steerer placed at the very end, the steerer must give instructions sufficiently loudly and clearly for the entire crew to hear. From a water safety perspective, the steerer should also be amongst the most experienced crew members and be knowledgeable with the waterways, weather conditions, maritime rules, and other safety considerations. The steerer should also be able to control the boat during rough water. And when I read that, I just thought, whoa, this is, this is heavy. This is big. And this is something I take seriously, God. I know that the only reason I'm stepping into this is because you called me to, because honestly, frankly, I didn't want the job. My whole life growing up, I saw the pressures of the job and all that it entailed, looking at my dad, and I honored him and I respected him for it, but I always said, I'm cool just being a youth pastor. Is that all right? Like, I don't know if I want that job. And it was for that very reason that, said, that God said, and my dad said, then you're the right guy for the, for the job because God honors humility. I'm like, I don't know if that's humility or just fear. But <laughs> either way, God, I'm up for the task because I see that it's you putting this on my life. And I just want to tell you guys, I'm up for it. I'm up for the challenge. I'm up for the task. I'm up for where God has placed me. And I don't have all the answers, but that's why we rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I'm ready to go, and I'm just saying this. If you'll have me, I promise to do my best. If you'll buy into the vision that I'm going to support and be a part of, I love you guys. I pray for you guys. My wife and I, we pray all the time. Lord, pray for our church. Do amazing things in their lives. We get the prayer cards every week, and we're just praying through all of them. God, bless these people. We love you guys. We love Jesus, and we believe in the vision that God has for us. And I'm just asking you this morning and this month of Vision May, if you'll go along with me, and if you'll be the paddlers on the team, because it's not all about the steersmen if nobody's paddling, right? That we're doing this thing together. We're going to touch this world. We're going to touch this community. We've got numbers. We were like, we want to be a church of 5,000. And God said the other day, that's good that you put that number, but why are you limiting me to numbers? And I went, whoa, but God, 5,000 is pretty big. We decided on that. He goes, no, don't you want to see me take it where I want to take it, not where you want to take it? I just kind of stood back and said, whoa, whoa, God has some plans for this church. We're going to be a big church, but we're going to be a church that plants other churches always, that touches around the world, that equips our people through mini church. God's got a vision. And if you guys would believe in that and get along and come on board with me, I'm excited for where we're going. Amen? Amen. This is an exciting time in our church, but I want to go to the next level. And one of the things I want to do is I came into to Sunday morning service this morning, 7 a.m., and it's, a, it's, it's early in the morning, right? You guys agree? It's early. You know, and I'm used to 9 a.m. where the thing is packed out and people are like yelling at me, yeah, you know? And I'm like, you know what? That needs to happen to 7 a.m. And I don't care how early in the morning it is because Psalm 118.24 says, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? So when we wake up, the first thing we should be thinking is, here's the start of another day that God has given me. I'm going to be fired up. I'm not going to wait to go to church and wait till Ka'ala revs me up and gets me excited. Then I'm going to choose to praise God. No, when we wake up in the morning, we should be going, God, I have my health. God, I have a roof over my head. God, I have a good paying job. And praise God, I'm not at that job today. It's Sunday, right? And God, I have kids. God, I have, look at all of this stuff. Here's another opportunity for me to praise God. We need to stop waking up going, oh, another day. Hey, praise God for all the things that you have. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So you know what I'm asking you guys? I'm asking you guys to get loud, to rejoice, to be fired up, to come in here Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. and be fired up on the Holy Spirit because God has given us a new day. Amen? This is what I want to see. This is our church. Thank you. You guys are awake. Well, this is the vision for Hope Chapel is we're not going to be a church that, that, that goes along with what the world is saying and it's early in the morning and it's this and that and the economy and all of this stuff. So what? We have God in our lives, amen? And so we're going to be fired up and we're going to rejoice and we're going to have fun with staff pastors wearing malos and it's okay in church. We're going to do that kind of stuff. 
But as I stepped into this role and I began looking around and I began looking at the things in our church, I prayed, God, give me new eyes because I want to do new things in this church. Not to say, God, I'm going to be awesome and I'm going to be better than my dad. That is not on my heart at all. What I'm saying is, God, the foundation that he laid, the apostleship that you gave this man to build all that he did, now you're putting me in this role. And I believe the expectation is, how do you now take it to the next level? Because my dad did not train me and equip me and disciple me to manage what he built. Amen? You guys understand that anytime you step into a new position, you're expected, you're charged with the job of taking it even further to the next level. And I just said, oh, no, God, that's a lot. So, God, I need you. What in our church can I do? I want to improve. I want to take us farther down the road. My dad expects me to, but God, you expect me to. I started praying, God, give me new eyes. I want to look at stuff differently. I want to know who we are, what we're about, and I want to do it the best that we possibly can. Now, we're going to do things a little bit differently from the church down the road, across the street, wherever. That's okay. God needs us all playing our part. But what is it, God, that you've called Hope Chapel Kaniwe Bay to do? Because we want to do it the best that we can. We don't want to do a lot of things really good. We want to do a few things with absolute excellence. You guys hear my heart on this? Is that we want laser beam focus on the things that we are called to do and not spend time with doing all the other things. And so I prayed, and God's beginning to show me things around the church that says, you have a really good vision, but it's kind of gotten away. As my dad calls it, loosey-goosey. We've gotten a bit loose in our vision, and we've kind of spread ourselves wide and thin, and it's time to come back and refocus. So God's given me some stuff. And so right now, I want you guys to... Um, Hear the vision that's on my heart. We have a new vision statement. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the words on the side walls have disappeared and they've been painted over. Remember there used to be words over there on the sides, the local purpose and the global mission and all of that kind of stuff? We said, we got too many of those floating around the church. We need to bring things back into focus here and we need to be clear. We need to have one new vision statement. So we wrestled over this for weeks. I wrestled over this on my trip to Japan. I was praying every day and I was writing this stuff and listening to the Holy Spirit and reading the book of Acts and what is the early church model and all of this and trying to come up, what is the heart for our church? And if you guys, did you guys get a poster on the way in the door, that little thing? Why don't you take that out right now if you would? Take out that poster because um, it's got the vision statement and the four main values of Hope Chapel. And we're hoping that you'll get fired up and you'll actually go put this poster up somewhere. I know you're going, oh, what poster? But it's got our vision and our heart for our church and our values. If you guys can get excited about other posters, right? Remember when you guys used to like uh, younger years, right? You love the, the rock and roll music and you put the bands up, right? The Beatles, right? You know, what, what's another one? The Eagles, you know? I don't know. I'm trying to think a little bit, you know, different. I'm trying to be all ages in here, right? Snoop Doggy Dog. No, I don't know. But... But we put up posters of bands, don't we? And we put up posters of, of different things that we like, sports. You know, I, in our office, Frank, our, uh, our youth pastor, has a motorcycle poster up. And, you know, I have, like, posters of surfing and all this stuff. We put up, think about the stuff we put in our offices. Think about the inspirational posters that we put up. You guys know what I'm talking about? The ones that say, like, perseverance and the guys that climb in the rocks. You guys know what I'm talking about here? Right? The one that says, like, dream big, and it's got a hot air balloon. And you're like, oh, that's so inspiring. That's moving. <laughs> Right? And here we have an opportunity to throw up something that says, let's put something up that's the vision of our church, the heart of God for our community. Let's get behind this thing. And here's our vision statement. We're hoping that you would actually put it up on your fridge or somewhere. But here's what the vision statement says. It says, Hope Chapel, the reason we exist, giving people the best life possible by connecting them to God and his family and equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in the world. This is the heart of Hope Chapel. We wanted to make it into one succinct statement. And here's the main four values that we're going to be teaching on this month in Vision May that is the heart of this church. It's things that we stand for as a church, but if you look at it, it's also a progressive process of the Christian life. And here's the first one. This is what we're going to be talking about today, is that we exist as a church to connect people to God. Amen? That it's all about, and you'd say, yeah, of course, Carl, every church is about that. No, but we want to make that one of our four main values, that anything that happens around here, that's got to be the primary one. Because if it's not about God, then we're just a big social gathering, right? If it's not really about connecting people to God, then we kind of turn into religion, and we don't turn into that relationship. So connecting people to God, the second one is that we connect people to God's family. We know that we can't go through life alone, that Christianity is a team sport, that we need each other. And so that's one of the things that we're going to be heavy about. We're going to be about equipping people to serve. We have always been an equipping church. 
people say that about us. You guys are so heavy on discipleship and equipping. You do the small mini churches, so it's not just a lesson on a Sunday morning, but you're getting into people's lives and you're, you're working through it and you're equipping and discipling one another. another. We want to be about that. The last one is we want to empower you to win the world. One of our old statements is win the world to Christ through God's power in us, is we want to be a people of outreach, that once we get equipped and we're fired up and we're discipled and we have each other and we know God, that we're going to go out there and we're going to give it away and that we're going to be about outreach. So these are the most important values of our church. I want you guys to realize this. You're going to notice, possibly, that some of the events that we've always done in the past might have gone away. You're going to see, what? hey, well, how come we don't do this? How come we don't do this anymore? The reason is we promise as a church to run every ministry, every event, every mini church, everything that we do through these four values. And if they get filtered through those four values and somehow they don't fit with those four values, we're deciding to scratch that activity because we don't want to be doing just social, fun, shallow activities. We want to be all about the heart of God, connecting them to his people, equipping people to serve and empowering them to reach this world for Jesus Christ. You guys understand where I'm going is? There may be some activities, how come we don't do that anymore? Well, because you know what? We had 100 people show up and we had two people out of that actually get involved in a mini church. That's not very productive. We, want, we don't want to just do good things because people would say, that's good. Two people found Jesus. Yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. But that's not a God idea. The God ideas, the God events are going to be reaping tons of fruit. And if we're going to be spending time, energy, and money on anything, it's going to be things that are going to be yielding a big result for the kingdom. Does that make sense? Amen. So this is why we're going, we want vision. We want values. We want to be focused in all that we do. And this is where we're going in this. The first one we're talking about today is connecting to God. If we are a gathering of people that comes together and we don't have a heart to connect people to God, then we might as well just be a book club. Amen? Oh, it's good. We're reading a good book together. It's kind of fun. Thanks. That's it. Bye. Right? If we're not about connecting people to the living God, the creator of the universe, then we are just a social club. You might as well go join a book club, go join a bowling league, right? But they don't have too many bowling alleys left on the island. Yeah? Can't really say that one. Go join a biker gang, you know, feel like you're part of the team with the vest and all of that. Do something else, but we are a church that believes in God, and we're about connecting people to God, amen? And so that's a foundation of our church. The first one that we need to realize is people need to know Jesus Christ. Look at Proverbs 9, verse 10. We might have it on the screen here. It says this. This is neat. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God right? If you want to have the answers to life, the very start is you need to get connected to God. If you're going through, anybody ever have any problems? I don't know. There might be a couple people in here. You ever struggle with money? Anybody in here? It might be one or two of you guys. Money's kind of a problem, right? Or what about relationships? Anybody in here? Raise your hand because this I'd like to see. You've had perfect relationships from the day you were born until now. Anybody in here have perfect relationships? Yeah, you guys lie in the house of God. How dare you? <laughs> But relationships are a struggle, right? And we're always going, God, help me through this. How do I figure these things out? Well, you know what it says in Scripture right here? It's skilled living, knowing how to live the best life, gets its start in the fear of God, having a godly relationship, connecting to God, and realizing you're in control. You're smarter than me. You're bigger than me. And I need to understand what you're all about because you got the answers. Amen? Is that we would understand that we get our sight insight into life from knowing a holy God. I got to talk to a, a brother the other night, Friday night, came up here with Hinamaka, the drug and out alcohol treatment center. They come up every Friday night. One week comes about 20 of them. It's all the men. The next week comes all the women. And they're up here. They're getting saved. They're finding God. They're still struggling. They're dealing with their stuff. But at least now they got a little bit of hope because we're connecting them with God. And this one brother I was talking to said, you know, pastor, I was in jail and I was dealing with rage and violence and all this stuff. And I don't, I don't know what he did to get in jail, but he was kind of giving me some insight. He said, he had a, God, a godly experience. God showed him a vision, and there's this really this long story. But he said, the only reason I'm out now, and look, I'm still struggling. I'm in Hinamaka, but the only times in my life that make any sense and I have control is when I let go of control and I give it to God. Is the times when I've actually connected with God and said, God, you're in charge. I'm going to stop giving in to my own desires and my selfishness. He goes, that's how I know. He goes, thank you for this church. He came up to service. He goes, I've been here twice, and that's what you guys believe. You guys believe that it all has to come from a surrendered life in Jesus. I'm like, amen. He goes, you know, pastor, it's all about relationships. It's not religion. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's good. You want to preach for me next week? I mean, this guy was like fired up. He's reading his word, but he knows that life is meaningless. He was in jail because of the fact that he was basing it all on himself. 
And the first value that this church is always going to have as their foundation is people need God. People need to connect to the loving Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, and walk an empowered life in His Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, and this is, the, this is the message that we're preaching this, this morning is that we need to connect to God. Because why? Because without Him, we're lost in searching. Look at your notes. Take out your notes. Write on your notes. Take notes. Go to mini church prepared and fired up and remembering, God spoke to me when pastor talked about this. That verse he dropped to me, God spoke to me in that. Can I share that with you guys? Be loaded. Be ready to go to mini church to interact. Why? Because you're getting equipped. You're, you're talking about stuff. And the little nugget of wisdom that you're going to share at mini church this week is going to bless someone else in your group. As you get stuff downloaded to God, you're going to be able to share that with you. Do you guys believe that? That's why we believe this church was built on mini church. And one of the things in Vision May is we're going to come back to our roots and we're going to go big and huge on mini church because that is our main tool for equipping people in the Lord, getting them together in the family of God and strengthening the church. So anyways, here's, here's the deal. The world today, the world as always, is lost in searching. People without God are in the dark, we're without hope, we're without purpose, we're in need of help, and we're confused. Would you guys agree that before you found Jesus Christ, it was like being in the darkness? I mean, think about this. Look at this verse, Isaiah 60, verse 2. It says, darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. If we don't know Jesus, that describes us. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. I like that. I love that, that there's hope for us, that the glory of the Lord shines, but it's darkness as black as night that's covering the nations of the earth. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. That means we were there before, but then he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, we got to understand the reason that Hope Chapel is so fired up on connect people to God, connect people to God, is because people need God. They were stuck in the dark. You know, you ever stumbled around in the dark and ran into things before? Can you guys ever think of a time like in your house or on the street, the lights go out and it's like it's just a different place. You feel the, the dark, whoa, power outage, everything's dark. It's kind of like this, this ominous feeling. I go to other countries. I go to Japan where less than 1% of the population knows God and you walk around and you see people in their normal everyday lives, but you realize there's just something that's just oppressive there. There's just this darkness when you really start to think, you know what, 99% of these people are going to hell if we don't do something about it. That's a heavy feeling. That's an ominous feeling. I went to the Philippines, and it's even more so that you see these people are without hope because they don't even have the stuff that the people in Japan have, the people in the U.S. have, the hope of like, well, I can get a job, and I can make it in the cor corporate, cr climb the corporate ladder. I can, there's hope for my life, right? These people in the Philippines, these kids are going, I'm born into poverty. I might not even live to see my adulthood, right? And I don't ever get three square meals a day. And the people that grow up say, here's my job is doing a little bit of labor here and selling a little bit of trinkets here, making about a dollar, two dollars a day, and that's it for the rest of my life until I die. And there's just this hopelessness and this confusion and this darkness that pervades that place. But can I just say one thing just to give you guys a little bit of a pat on the back and say thank you is, when, we, when I went to the Philippines and saw the compassion thing and understood that we can do something to turn the light on in people's lives in their life and give them Jesus Christ. And I brought that back to you guys and I said, would you guys join with me as a church in sponsoring kids so that we can flip the light switch on? People are in darkness in the Philippines. They need Jesus. They need a real life. And I said, would you guys partner with me in sponsoring some kids that you guys came out and you enforced and we did a big thing? Here's what happened. Compassion told me, oh, you want to do a Compassion Weekend? I said, yeah. They said, okay, we give you enough packets for about 10 to 12% of your church population because literally that's the usual response. That's the normal average response of any church. And I said, oh, what? So how much is that? Oh, like 200-something packets. I'm like, 200-something packets? You don't know me. You don't know Hope Chapel. You don't know my church. Give me 700, right? So I just bit off way more than I could you. Give me 700. We're going we're gonna to save some kids. We're going to turn the light of the Lord on in their lives. We're going to bless a the community. They're like, um... 700? Really? <laughs> and so they gave me 700. And here's what happened. After the first week of response, you guys sponsored more than 500 kids the first weekend. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's awesome. And you know what? Here's the other thing. The rest of the packets that we didn't see turned in, they went home. Almost 200 packets went home with different people in the church. And I was all worried, like, oh, no, we lost the kids. They said, no, no, they keep them in the system. But the guy from Compassion said this. You got that many turned in, 500. Do you realize that of the ones that go home, that at least 70% of those ones that go home 
will be sponsored. We know from statistics that 70% of the, so what that's saying is we sponsored well over 600 kids. We almost hit our 700 kid mark. Isn't that cool? Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank God for this church and the generosity of this church. That's awesome. And then we've got links on our website where we can sponsor the rest of those kids and even more. But here's the point, is that this church believes in, and we're going to continue stir up, to stir up the fact that we need to connect people to God. The world is in darkness out there, and our job is to flip the switch on at, at, in, the, in the darkness to show them Jesus is the light of the world, and he can do good things in your life, and our church is built on that as a foundation. This is our first value. The other night, I was walking around. I went to use a bathroom in the middle of the night. All the lights are off, right? And all I have to do is get out of my bed, like some of you guys, and walk about 20 feet to the, my bathroom, right? To make it to the toilet, my destination, so I can do my business, right? In the middle of the night, it's like three in the morning or something. I get up, and immediately I realize that there's some little people in my house that have booby-trapped the floor without me knowing it before I turned the light. I didn't see it when I turned, the light was on. I figured everything's all good. But in the middle of the night when you're in darkness, there's stuff you don't see, right? And as I'm walking, just I, feel, I only got to make it 15 feet to get to that toilet, right? But what happens? Boom, I almost roll my ankle on what? Little Mermaid Barbie. Ah, what is this? You know, I'm like, oh, what's going on my daughter? So I go to avoid it. Boom, I trip my other foot over my exercise push-up bar that my son had been using left upside down, turned in the middle of the thing. I'm like, ah, what's going on? The toilet's so close, but so far, right? And I can't see, and I'm, I'm making my way over, and then all of a sudden, I almost break my ankle again. My wife's high heels are cruising out there, right? Her purse, and I'm like, why isn't this in the closet, you know? I'm the neat one. She's the messy one. Why is this here? I barely make it to the toilet alive without being disabled and get my business done, and I'm like, this is terrible, and why was it so terrible for me? Because it was dark, the lights were out, I couldn't see anything. And we gotta realize, guys, this world is hurting, they're lost, they're in darkness, they're stumbling through relationship problems, through money problems, through, through navigating through, how, where, what's my career gonna be? Where should I go to school? What job should I have? How do I ask for a raise? You know, all of this stuff. If we're not there to turn the light on of Jesus Christ, God wants us to connect people to him. He wants us to personally connect with him. John 3, 16, the simple message we all know says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is saying, I want to connect with you. I love you. My original intent wasn't for you to turn away from me in the Garden of Eden, but for you guys to be my kids and my family, for us to have unity. I want to stay connected to you. So you know what? I love you so much. I want to connect with you so bad. I'm going to send my son down to do that business on the cross. And that hurts my heart, but it's because I love you and I want to connect with you. That's how bad God, God loves you. Wherever you're at sitting in here today going, but I'm not worthy. I'm this, I'm that. Well, Jesus went to the cross for that because God wants to connect with you. No matter who you are, he understands. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus himself told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know what disciples are? Followers. He goes, go make followers of everybody. In the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In essence, here's what God is saying. Jesus, my son, tell your followers to make other followers. Bring everybody into the family because I want to connect with them. I just want to know them. I want to hang out with them. You know, there's a, there's a saying that we've had in our church for years and years, and you guys can finish this one for me. Here's, here's Hope Chapel's slogan. We promise to love you as is, right? And part of, and a little bit of the time we try to get grammatically correct and we change it to, we promise to love you as you are. Either way, right? It still says the same thing as we promise to love you as is. And I love that about our church because we're saying, you know what? Your life is messed up. You've been through hard times. You may be coming to church drunk or on drugs right now or screwed up or addicted or whatever. We will welcome you. We promise to love you as is. But I want to take it a step further because here's the heart of God that says, I want to connect with you. We promise to love you as is but we're not going to let you stay there. We're not going to let you stay as you were because we're going to connect you to God and God is going to make you better. We promise to love you as you walk in that door, as you are, but we know that once we connect you with God, God's going to make you better. You're not going to stay where you were. Amen? And that's the heart of God saying, I want to connect to my people and we got to be about that. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 in the message version. It's a really good version the way it puts it in this. It says, are you tired? This is Jesus. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
Keep company with me, and you learn to live free and lightly. And this whole thing about connecting with God, you know what God's heart is saying? Just come hang out with me. Just come walk with me in this life. Here's Jesus just going, look, don't worry about trying to be perfect and be holy and all that. Just come hang out with me. I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace, where you're not trying, trying, trying to please God, but you're just being and letting him change you. And this is the heart of God, and this is the heart of Hope Chapel, is saying, I just want to connect with you. I'm a loving Heavenly Father, and I just want to spend time with you. You guys want to see a couple pictures of my recent trip to the Ukraine in London with my dad? You guys got time for that real quick? Some of you guys are going, yeah, yeah, sure. Vacation pictures, great. But I'm going to show it anyway. Sorry, you're stuck, captive audience. Um, I want to show you guys a couple of pictures. Can we show the first picture of the trip to the Ukraine? Here's me in the Ukraine, and I got my laser pointer. Just so you guys know, that, that's me there. Okay, so you know. Um, this is some unbelievable, awesome Orthodox church that I, we went on this tour, and we found all these in the city of Kiev in, they call it Kiev, Kiev in um, Ukraine. And we got to visit all these amazing churches, people that honor God and glorify God with the arts and with all this stuff. And usually I'm kind of the guy that's like, oh, we don't need all of the, the religious stuff. You know, we just re- worship a mighty God. But when I went in there, the sense of holiness that came upon me that was like, these guys aren't worshiping the stuff. They made the stuff to worship a glorious God. And I went, whoa, some of my thought patterns changed a little bit. I went to the, into these churches and I looked up and I saw the amazing art and the sculptures, and the stuff. And I realized that the reason that they were doing all of this is because at the time, it was only the the priests and the kings that were allowed to give out the word of God. The common people didn't have the word of God. So what they did is in their artistic endeavors, they created these things to glorify their God because they didn't have the written language. They didn't have all of this stuff. And you go in there, and you see all the tourists doing their stuff, but then you see some people just off to the side, not being religious, just sitting there in awe of a holy God. And tears are coming down their eyes, and they're just having a moment with the majesty of God. And I just thought, whoa, this is heavy. These people have this long, for years, for centuries history. You know, we come to America, and there's buildings that I get all excited about. I've been to the East Coast, and I've been to seeing Paul Revere's house and seeing the the musket balls in the side. I'm like, wow, that's an old building, like 200 years old. And then you go to the Ukraine, and I'm like, hey, how old is this building? And they're like, oh, that's about 1,500 years old. I'm like, whoa, it's heavy. And so Ukraine was this beautiful place, and I got to minister there. You can leave the pictures up. Um, Go to the next picture. Next one. Next one. This is the church we got to minister at, my dad and I. He was invited for the seminar, and he got to teach on mini churches and the heart of our church and planting churches and all this. And they had a really cool worship team. Um, This worship leader right here, I think his name was... Sergey, Sergey, I forget his name, actually, sorry. But he was a really good worship leader. He played the keyboards. He played um, some kind of a little stringed instrument. He was on tambourine all throughout the worship set. And then check this out. He busted out this secret, secret instrument, the accordion. I was like, accordion worship? I've never had that in church. And this team right here was rocking, and they were like kicking it up a level. They were all color-coordinated. How's that? White and red and everything. Ollie, you got your work cut out for you. You guys got you guys to get some fashion sense here. These guys were all like together and they were going. And I'm like, this is cool. But here I am in the Ukraine worshiping with a church that is on fire for God. They're a church that's planting other churches. They're a movement within themselves. And they're saying, we want to be part of your guys' denomination, Foursquare. You guys didn't even know we were part of a denomination, yeah? Thought it was just Hope Chapel. We're actually part of a denomination. And these guys want to be a part of it. So we got to do ministry. We got to hang out. Go to the next picture. The next picture is my dad there, and he's not singing a duet with that person. That's actually his translator. Um, and he's preaching, and look at the size of their, their deal, yeah? What is that called, the pulpit, the preaching thing? Ours looks like a little wimpy podium, yeah, compared to their massive macho thing right here. But my dad got to speak on all of this and do all of this ministry, and we had this really great time in the, in the Ukraine ministering together. I got to speak to their young people fire them up. They fired me up, actually. But we had this really good time of ministry traveling with my dad. Go to the next picture. And then we went to London. Anybody ever been to London? Man, London is beautiful as well. These old castles and all this. The Tower Bridge right there, I thought it was the London Bridge, but apparently I was way, way off. Apparently, they disassembled the London Bridge, and of all places, they replanted it in where? Arizona. How the heck do you get the London Bridge to Arizona and why? That's what I want to know. But I was like, hey, I'm at the London Bridge today, like on Facebook, and everybody's like, oh, you're in Arizona? I'm like, 
No, smart Alex. I'm in London. Sorry, I didn't know the name. It's the Tower Bridge. But I got to see the Tower Bridge. Go to the next one. Um, I got to see, what is this right here? Big Ben. I got to go to Big Ben. We got to see all these amazing things. Uh, we did a week in the Ukraine. We did ministry. And then we went to London. We got to see all of these sites. I went to all these amazing museums. Go to the next one. Um, I went to this awesome hotel that had this in the hotel room. Um, Literally, this hotel was the most ghetto London hotel I've ever seen. Sorry to say, it looked really great on Travelocity or whatever, right? Like, awesome, amazing hotel for really cheap rates. The cheap rate thing is probably the first giveaway. We were walking from the station looking for the hotel, and it's called Ascot Hotel, right? And so I'm looking, where's the Ascot Hotel? There's the Ascot OE. Hmm, missing letters. <laughs> that should have been my first giveaway, right? We get into the hotel, and the, this is the kind of stuff that's in the room right here was here's your hair dryer, don't use, written in Sharpie on it. Not like we'll take it off the wall if it's broken or we'll fix it. Just it's there, but you're not allowed to use it. <laughs> it doesn't work. You guys don't know how tempted I was to go, I got to do it. It tells me not to, I got to do it, right? But I was worried I would short out the whole circuitry in the hotel and that wouldn't have been good. But the good thing is, I mean, this hotel, as ghetto as that thing was, you can leave the pictures up there, um, is, is there was holes in the wall. There was um, mold in the bathroom. And they did give me a good hairdryer, but luckily I had to use it to plug the rat hole that was in my, my room right there. So I shoved the good hairdryer, it went to good use, I shoved it into the hole in the wall just so rats wouldn't hijack me in my sleep for the next four days while I'm like worried about bed bugs, I'm worried about the, the faucets dripping, holes in the wall, black mold in the shower, cracked tile. I mean, it was hectic, but it was so funny because my dad and I were like, hey, how's your room? He's like, oh, how's yours? And I'm like, we talked about it, we just laughed because it was so funny. It was actually so bad, I'm like, Am I being punked right now? Well, you know, <laughs> what, what is going on? Is this candid camera? But it was so funny. But our, our time in London was really, really good. And this is the most important thing in London. Go to the next slide. The most important thing in London was this time, is that I got to just cruise with my dad. And here we are on the double-decker bus taking the tour. And this is, this is what I didn't realize on this trip, was that we had flown to the Ukraine on the church's money because we were doing ministry, we were networking, we were meeting all these amazing people, we were blessing them, we were teaching them. And I love doing ministry with my dad. I love hanging out and doing ministry together as a father and son team, that's, that's cool. I can only pray that my kids someday will, will get that opportunity too, again. But then we went to London and I didn't know the itinerary. I thought we're gonna do ministry in Ukraine, we're gonna do ministry in London. Do I gotta preach? Tell me, let me know what's going on. And he goes, no, no, we're just gonna go to London, we're gonna see the sights. And I was kinda like, hmm, you know? So we went to London because it's closer to Ukraine. You know, if we're going to be in Ukraine, we might as well hop over to London then fly all the way from here. So we hung out in London four days. Then I realized we're not speaking anywhere. We're not really meeting any other pastors. Kind of what's going on? And it kind of dawned on me. My dad was explaining. He goes, no, you know what? I just, on my airline miles, I took us over here on this trip. It's like, oh, okay. That's, that's kind of cool. That's weird. What's going on? And every day, hey, what's our itinerary? We got to meet with anybody? No, we're going to the Winston Churchill Museum today. We're going to the British Museum today. We're going to go walk in the park, Hyde Park, and we're going to do all this. I was like, oh, what's going on? It kind of didn't really dawn on me until really a little bit on the trip and afterwards that my dad basically was saying, look, we went to Ukraine to do ministry, but I just want to spend time with you and hang out and share my world and my love for history with my son, and I just want to hang out with you for four days. And I was like, well, that's pretty heavy. My dad's pretty cool. <laughs> my dad loves me. My dad took me all the way to London and he was picking up the tab on everything and we're hanging out and he's bringing me into his world, his love for history, his love for World War II. And I went to the Winston Churchill Museum and I was just like, man, this is cool. The British Museum, all of this stuff, Allah loves the history. And I was just like, man, this is, this is cool. And it didn't really dawn on me till the end of it that my dad's just saying, I just want to hang out with my son. I just want to have some father and son time. And we'd go out to eat and we'd go into the cool restaurants, find the different, we got to have fish and chips. We're in London, right? So we'd go to the little restaurant pub and dad, I'm going to have a official London ale, right? So we shared a beer together. One beer, take it easy, relax. <laughs> One beer with our dinner, right? Right? And we're eating, we're just experiencing this. And it dawned on me afterwards, wow, oh, thank you God for my dad. What a cool example of a father and son hanging out. And here's the point that we're getting at. This is what our Father God is trying to say to us. I want to hang out with all of you guys. Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you need a rest? Just come hang out with me. Let's not look at it as like, oh, Hope Chapel's trying to make all these religious people. No, it's not about religion. It's about we have this Father God that the world needs to see because they're in darkness 
and they don't know the love of a father. And God is saying, guys, will you be my instruments to introduce this world to me, a loving God that just wants to spend time and hang out? Do you see that that's the heart of our Father God? That's what he wants with us, but that's what he's calling us to do. Vision may, to have vision, to spread that to the world that's in darkness all around there. And I hope you catch that. This is always going to be one of the things that we value around this church is connecting people to God. And we do it best, I believe, in the weekend experience, in the services, because we try to give a little bit of everything. We try to give the good Bible teaching, the worship, the prayer, the fellowship, all of the stuff that goes into it. You see people serving around here with all their shirts on. We're trying to model what it is to get connected to God. And this church, this leadership, this staff believes on connecting to God personally before we can connect to other people. You guys want to hear what the staff had to say? We actually filmed a little video. You guys interested in what the staff thinks about connecting to God? Can we show that video real quick? Let's show this video. We got time for it. I think prayer is seriously one of the best ways to connect to God. It's honestly getting to be in that place where Him, where you get to praise Him, where you get to thank Him for all the incredible things that He's done. Worship for me is such an exciting way to um, connect to God, knowing that I can come before the Creator of the universe, a God that's bigger than anything I can imagine, and be able to sing songs of praise and glorify Him and actually feel His presence. When I'm in the congregation on the weekends and just experiencing everybody's love and everybody's hugging and just the passion of um, people, our people, our family worshiping. I feel that I connect to God on many levels, uh, whether it be through worship or weekend teaching or just the opportunities that God places in my life. Um, but I feel most connected to God when I'm serving or just answering the call that God has on my life. Um, those are the times that I feel just the most connected to God and, and really that God's love is really uh, being shown through me. I come every weekend expecting to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. I want to, I, I come expecting that. And I never leave disappointed. I love hearing the God's voice and knowing my assignment for the week. I connect to God during worship when you get to that moment in that presence where it's just me and Him, just being able to connect and hear with Him no matter what is going on around me, no matter who's there and what's happening. Just being out there and, and being ready to, to hear what God has to say to me, uh, having my pen ready and my notebook ready and my Bible open, just expecting God to teach me something about how He wants me to live. I really connect to God through the worship. There's just something about being in a room full of other people that are just there with hearts that want to please God, that want to glorify God. We're all here for the same purpose, and that's make God bigger. Uh, how I connect to God is definitely through worship, when I just ignore the fact that anyone else is there. And um, to me, you know, uh, biblically, He's with us. And so I just imagine Him right in front of me. And on top of that, I really like to um, just get into my word and get away from civilization, just I, whether it's on the beach or whether it's just in the forest, um, just really spending uh, time with God the way Jesus spent time with the Father. And so I really love connecting with God in that way. First through prayer and second uh, through His Word. It's so important that we connect as, as a family and that we not only do ministry together, but that we do life together. It's, it's worship, you know, just really getting into and making Him first and, and just giving Him my heart, whether I'm, I'm bummed or I'm angry or, or just in love, mostly in love <laughs> with Him. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how I connect. See, our, our staff knows the priority and the value of connecting to God in this church. And you guys do, do too. And see, it's not just about the leadership saying this is a vision and a value for our church. That we as a team are all, what is it? We're paddling together, right? It's not just one, but we're on a team here. And so I just want to remind you that you guys are doing a valuable thing as you engage in the Bible teaching. That you're actually taking notes and going, I'm connecting to God right now. 
and you model that to the people that are coming in for the first time and they're seeing you actively living this out. It inspires them to want to take notes to go to mini church. We're giving a Bible message. We promise that we're not going to shy away from the truth. We're going to talk about premarital sex and sex outside of marriage. We'll talk about, oh, that's a scary subject. We're going to talk about all of, all of that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about money, managing our money. We will use the word hell in this church to talk about the fact that those that don't know Jesus will go to hell. We're going to give you the real basic truth, but on the other hand, we're going to season it with love, with mercy, with kindness, with grace, and with forgiveness because that's the kind of church we are. We promise to love you as is. We're not going to back away from the truth, but we're going to give you clear, basic, relevant Bible teaching. That's the, what I've learned from my dad all these years. Keep it simple, stupid. People need to absorb the word of God and not in some heady intellectual way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. See, we understand at this church, we're gonna keep it simple and we realize that the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is more important than the messenger. So we're not gonna try to look all intellectual and cool because it's not built on human wisdom. It's built on the wisdom of God, right? That goes above and beyond everything. So our message is going to be clear. Our prayer, we're a church that believes in prayer. Have you guys noticed that by now? I've been coming to this church. We make a big deal about it. There's people praying before every service, people in the back right now praying for this service during it, for you, for me, for everything that happens up here. After service, we have an entire night of service Thursday nights that's devoted to prayer and worship because we believe in this. These are values. These are all ways to connect to God. Our worship, you're going to see people with the freedom to, to raise their hands and close their eyes and go on their knees if need be because we know that worship's about God and not about us. But see, all of the stuff that we present as a church that says we want to connect you to God, you guys are joining in as you do that. And you say, I'm here to con be connected to God. And I'm here to model this to those around me that are new to understand that there's value in prayer. There's value in worship. There's value in discipleship. There's value in baptisms are coming up in two weeks. We got to get excited. We got to be a church that when even one person gets baptized, that we're rallying around and we're going, yes, victory, awesome. You're giving your life to Jesus. You're making a bold commitment. Instead, what happens? We have it in the courtyard and all of us are over there having snacks. Hey, yeah, someone's getting baptized. Oh, big deal. I'm eating, right? We got to be the kind of church that goes, what you're doing is incredible. That's what we're all about, connecting you to God. Amen? Amen. So it's, it's a little challenging, but we want to get laser beam focused on what we do, and we want to connect people to God, and we got to do it, and it's a team effort. And I want to ask you this question as we're going into Vision May to be thinking, are you willing to step up and be a part of this vision and part of this team? Are you willing to say, hey, I'm in it to win it, Pastor Carl. I'm there. I got your back. I'm paddling with you. We're going places. We're going to touch this world. And we believe that the first value is connecting people to God. I'm going to ask you if you guys believe that, and I hope you do. If you don't today, I got three more weeks of vision made to con convince you, hopefully. But we're going to actually do something in the physical realm to kind of put legs under it, to put a little bit of a challenge to us, a little accountability to see if we're sold out to this vision. Would you guys be willing to step up for that? You guys like worried? Oh, what are you asking us to do? Ushers are going to pass something out to you guys right now. Ushers, if you guys would come down and quickly pass this out, we're going to pass this out to you right now, and I'm going to talk about it real quick. Here's the physical challenge. I'm going to try to give you a challenge at the end of every service during Vision May just to kind of drive home the values. We already gave you a poster. We're hoping you put it up and that you, you make it a vision and a priority in your life. But we're giving you all a wristband right now, and you guys are going, oh, no. That's so dumb. That's so ugly. Well, hold on. Just let me talk to you a, a real quick for a minute here. We got these, these wristbands made, and they have the four main values of our church because these main values in this vision statement, you're going to see it on our driveway signs. You're going to see it on our emails. You're going to see it on our website. You're going to see it everywhere because we want to be a church that's all about what we're about, and we stick to our vision and values at all times. So we're passing out a, a, a little wristband bracelet to you right now, and the staff and the pastors and the leaders, we had over 200 of our main hardcore leaders, mini church shepherds and leaders in ministries in this church all commit the other night to saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wear this thing for the whole entire month of Vision May, and we're not, not going to take this off. And at the end of it, we're all going to smell it. No, I'm not just kidding. <laughs> we are going to wear this thing because we are going to commit to what this church stands for in the vision, and we're going to say with a physical act, we're on board, Carl, and we're paddling with you. We're on board. We believe in this church, and we're going to wear this thing. Now, here's the deal. I'm not forcing anybody to wear it, 
And if you're not wearing it, I'm not going to make a citizen's arrest and write you up for like, you don't believe in the church, you're blacklisted. Right? I'm not going to do that. If you don't want to do it or you can't do it for work, that's cool. But what I'm asking you is if you would get out of your comfort zone and doing things the way we always do them and be willing to take a little step of faith and belief in vision of this church and where we're going and what this church believes in and who we are as a people group, that you would actually go, I'm going to put this on my wrist. And it's going to look weird and be a little uncomfortable. And there's days that I'm going to wake up and I'm like, oh, it doesn't match my outfit, right? That you would say, I'm going to take one for the team and I'm going to wear this thing. Because what it does is it does something inside of us symbolically that says, I've committed myself to this church. There's three levels of vision buy-in. I read this in the It book that we just read. Three levels of vision buy-in in the church. The first level is that you believe in the organization or the vision enough to actually be a part of it. Yeah, I like this church. I'm going to come to this church. That's cool. You kind of believe in the vision. That's level one. Level two says, I believe in this church or this cause enough that I'm going to get involved a little bit so long as it doesn't do anything major to my life. As long as it's easy and it's comfortable, I'll actually get involved a little bit. And that's great. People are moving along and they're becoming a part of our church. But le level three buy-in is where I'm trying to move everybody in this church to. Level three buy-in is, you know what? I believe this enough to lay my life down for this, to change my life. I'm down for the cause of Christ and what my church stands for. And so I'm going to be sold out and I'm going to be all about it and I'm going to live it. And now I know not everybody's at that level, but my goal as the steersman is to get the whole team in alignment that we're all paddling in the same direction and we all believe that we're all level three, that we're all level three going, you know what, I believe in this church. I'm going to do something. I'm going on that mission trip. I'm going to start a mini church. I'm going to go to a mini church. I'm taking notes. I'm here to worship. I'm connecting. I'm going to do something. I'm getting involved because my life depends on it because everybody needs a cause to live for in their life. And the cause of Christ is what we stand for as a church. And I'm asking you guys, would you guys step up and be a part of this cause and a part of this vision? Because we believe God is taking us somewhere. And I just want to know who's on the team. And if you can't wear the bracelet, don't worry. Nobody's looking and taking notes, I promise you. But I'm just asking you, do something that's a little weird that gets you out of the comfort zone to say I'm on board. I'm, I'm fired up, and I believe in this thing. So I'm just asking you guys that you would do this. And if you're not ready yet, hey, listen to my heart for the next three weeks of Vision May as we get into this thing. But do you believe in the first value that we talked about today, that we are all about connecting people to God? Do you guys believe in that? Well, good. I hope you hang out for the next three weeks. We got good things to do. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, we thank you, Father God, right now for the vision that you've been giving us, Lord, that you've been giving me, Lord. I know this is a scary position to be stepping into, but God, I am so excited because you're leading the way, because you're my strength and it's not my own. Lord, I would be in the dark if it wasn't for you. And I thank you for your glorious son that shines his light in my life, that has given me purpose and has given me leadership and has shown me where I need to be, Lord, and I'm all about stepping up. Lord, I'm level three all the way for you, and I pray that the people in this church would be on their way to getting to level three, Lord, where our lives are sold out for you, where church isn't just one of the other things that's on the agenda in our lives, but Lord, it's all about living for you. We go to church to be a part of the vision, to get equipped, to be fired up, and, and to go out there and to live our lives for you, Lord. We are down for your cause and we thank you for what you did in our lives, and we're going to live for you. Lord, I pray that not only would those wristbands symbolize us being a part of the vision of this church, but Lord, I pray that starting this week throughout this month, you would use it as a witnessing tool. Lord, that as we run into people in longs or out on the beach or whatever, and they look at that thing on our wrist, and what is that all about? Lord, it would give us an opportunity that maybe we weren't bold enough in the past to share with people, but we would have to give an explanation for this, this wristband we're wearing. And we'd be able to say, oh, this is from my church. Oh, what church? Oh, Hope Chapel, Kanyoi Bay, come join us in what God is doing in the lives of his people. Lord, that you would use this, that we'd hear stories, that this would be a testimony, a simple little testimony to the fact that people would be interested in what we're doing and what our vision's all about. And Lord, you'd take us out of our comfort zone just a little bit in sharing with people to connect them to God. That's our first value. Lord, as we're here today, as we always do, that's another value in our church is we always give opportunity for people to meet you, to connect with you for the first time. There may be people in the service here right now that have never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never officially said, I am here today to give my heart and my life to Jesus Christ for the cause of Christ. And I'm willing to take a step to surrender the way I've been living for myself and give control to God and watch what he could do, watch what he could change in my life. So Lord, we always, as we gather and we preach your word, we give opportunity for new people to say yes to you, not just to this church, but ultimately to you, God, and what you have planned in their life. So right now, as every eye is closed and head is bowed, 
I'm gonna give an opportunity for people to pray and to receive Jesus for the first time, to really say, God, I wanna be a Christian. I want you at work in my life and I'm willing to give you control of who I am and see what you can make me into. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna say a prayer in a minute here. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, if that's the cry of your heart this morning, to say yes to Jesus. I'm not gonna make you pray the words out loud, but I'm gonna ask that you would join me in this prayer in your heart of hearts, that you would believe in God and that you would tell him that you believe in him, and that you'd pray this. After service, you can go tell other people that you made this commitment, but I believe right now it's a heart thing. So I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna ask that you would pray with me so that you could know the love of the Father today in your life for all of eternity. And if that's a prayer that you'd like to make, I'm gonna count to three in a minute here. And I'm just gonna ask you that you would raise your hand. No one else seated around you has to see you, but I wanna know who I'm praying with because it's a privilege and an honor to lead you into this most amazing prayer that will affect all of your eternity. That's a prayer that you'd like to pray this morning. Just simply raise your hand and let me know we're gonna pray together. And then again, you pray quietly while I pray it out loud. But if that's you right now, the people seated around you have their eyes closed. If that's you and you wanna pray this prayer, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. I see anybody, I see one person right here. Praise God. Anybody else in the room, if there's anybody else that you're saying, I wanna do this thing, I wanna follow Jesus, I'm stepping up today. But thank you for that one hand that I saw and we're just gonna pray. Lord, here's the prayer of our hearts, those that raise their hands. Father, I'm coming before you today and I am sold out for you from this moment on. I'm laying my life down before you. I'm asking that you would come into my life and my heart and you would change me. Father, as I surrender everything, that you would fill me up with all the good things that you have planned for me, Lord, and that I could trust you, that you're a good God and you're gonna, you're gonna lead me forward in life victoriously. And Lord, there's gonna be hard times that I go through, but you are right there to walk me through those times, to empower me to get through those times. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus died on that cross for my sins, and that he overcame death and sin through victory. He rose again on the third day, Lord, for my salvation, for my victory, Lord. And I embrace that and I receive that right now. From this moment on, I believe I am a Christian, a child of the King of all kings, Lord, and I will follow you. Through reading my word, through prayer, through connecting you with you, to you through worship, through this church, through everything that you have for me, Lord, from this moment on, I declare that I am your child and you embrace me and I understand that. And I thank you, Father God, for what you did. From this moment on, I will walk with you. Thank you for calling me your child from this day. And in Jesus' mighty name, we all said, amen. And we praise God for that hand that was raised only this morning.